0: Empire.
1: Hello and welcome to my podcast. I have two great guests for you today, both from the ESPN family, of course. Starting with Dan Orlovsky, rising star for ESPN, former NFL quarterback. I brought him on to break down not only Josh Rosen, but the some of the draft quarterbacks that the Redskins would be interested in whether at 15 or maybe later in the draft and then also um, our Cardinals reporter Josh Weinfuss. I wanted to provide some insight into who Rosen is from a guy who covered him last year and talked to other guys in the Cardinals locker room about him. Both come at you with some really good insight but first let's start with my conversation with Dan Orlovsky. I have a great guest here coming up for you. Dan Orlovsky, former NFL quarterback, does fantastic work now with ESPN. And one of the best things I did last year was start following him on Twitter. And the reason is, and the reason why I want him on here, and the reason why I think he's so good at what he does is he's able to explain a very complex game, look for subtle subtleties at the quarterback position in particular, and explain it to the viewer, the listener, whomever in a very concise fashion. So, Dan, I am bringing you on after that, and I appreciate you joining me.
2: Uh, it's good to be with you, man. Thank you for your kind words. Uh, I'm, I'm excited.
1: Well, good. So, let's jump into it. Listen, I cover the Redskins. I know you're a big Josh Rosen fan. Why do you like him so much?
2: Well, I mean, if you just watch his game on the field, and I'm a big believer, okay, what does this guy do that is, Really special, or really good, or in many ways things that I can't coach. And then, what does he struggle with, or what are his flaws, and are they fixable or whatnot? Just on the field stuff. And like, wait, playing quarterback in the NFL is in many ways simple. You've got to be able to think, and you've got to be able to throw. And he does both of that at incredibly high level. You know, when I go back to last year with him coming out and going, what what did I love about him? Plays with fantastic rhythm like this this kid is on rhythm and on I'm ready to throw this ball right now all the time he sees the field incredibly well the subtleties of a defense he gets to the line of scrimmage and every play he knows this is going to be a problem And here's the answer and so when you have that with a quarterback you are completely open with your playbook you can do so much creativity-wise because you have a guy who intellectually can handle it. And then to tell people, like, he could throw. I mean, he could throw as good as anybody. I mean, he could flat-out throw. And so he has all kinds of appropriate throws and tempo and trajectory. So you, you you look at him and go, man, this kid doesn't have many flaws in his game. And people say, like, uh, he's not creative enough. Now There's there's clips on tape that, that would challenge that or, or – He's too robotic. There's clips on tape that would challenge that. The best quarterbacks in the league over the last 12 years stand in the pocket and deliver the ball, and he's plenty good in the pocket. So I just there's a lot of things about his game that I love, and there's not many things that I point to and go, that could hold him back.
1: Are there, and you, you, know, and you say that, and you also say that you know, flaw, there are some flaws in a quarterback that you say, okay, this can be coached. What are some of the flaws that you might see that you say, I'm not worried about that because this can be coached?
2: Well, there's just not many. There's okay. not a lot of flaws in his game. Plenty, plenty accurate. Plenty good enough arm strength. I, the, the downside, to be honest with you, John, he he's been beat up. I mean, right. the kid has been beat up. He took a beating at UCLA. He took a beating last year at Arizona. And this, no matter if he stays in Arizona or he goes elsewhere in, in Washington, this would be his sixth co- coach in five years. His sixth different offense in five years so that would be his biggest on field that would be the biggest flaws going this kid has just been taking such a beating playing this position but other than that there's there's it, it, he's plenty athletic he can move in the pocket really well and again i always point out like everyone goes well oh, tom brady's so good in the pocket no one was saying that about him when he was coming out of michigan like, <laughs> no they were worked not. at at that to, to, to own that and master that and so there's just there's not a lot of things in this game that make you go uh-oh these are issues
1: now one of the things dan that when i talk to people and it's like you know, you know this we've all heard the same a lot of the same stuff about josh and whatever issues there might be and what might concern some teams i don't want to say scare but maybe concern and it's always going to point to off-field stuff and doesn't mean he's been in trouble it's just more you know the growing up privilege and you know just demeanor or whatever how do you judge that or gauge that as a quarterback what's important to you in that regard like what you know when when it comes to whether it's the love of the game or whatever how do you measure that what's important to you in that regard
2: yeah i mean obviously not having the opportunity to spend time around him, I can't tell you the kind of guy he is. I just know when you go back and watch some tape and watch him take beatings after beating after beating, and he continues to get off the ground, when people go, man, I don't know if this guy loves football, I go, I don't know about that. Like, you don't continue to take this beating, get up when you don't have to get up, when there's – plenty of opportunity for you to point to, like, oh, you know what? I, I, I've been beat up, or I, I couldn't get up after that shot. Someone's got to come come get me out for a little bit. But listen, but I've always said the most important stuff the quarterback does is without a ball in his hand. And so, the leadership, the intangibles, how you treat people, your study habits, um, the way you can bring people along. You know, I don't, I don't think it's fair for us to go, well, no one, he, he can't galvanize guys in Arizona. They were three and thirteen. The, the only, the only thing that you gravitated towards was your car, and so <laughs> um, that that's something where you've just got to dive deep and figure out what kind of guy he is. I know some guys that played in Arizona last year. They said this. He's he's a phenomenal teammate. He's de- he definitely has interests off the field, but I have no question about his leadership ability or how much he cares about football. So. I can only take kind of their word, um, but all that stuff matters, and that's also something you can grow into. Like we all, we all go through a maturation process. We all learn differently. We all value things differently. I read, you know a good friend of mine is Matt Liner. Matt Liner, when he came out of USC, was punk. Matt Liner is one of my my good friends now because he's matured and he's grown up. And he's now a phenomenal human being because he's learned from some of the things of the past. That's going to be important for Rosen.
1: So when you look at this, and I know that like, Arizona's in a unique situation because of the coaching change, who the coach liked coming in here, et cetera. Would you trade Josh and take Kyler?
2: I would. And I, uh, the day Cliff Kingsbury got that job, I said, Kyler Murray's going one. Um, if Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray were coming out of the draft this year together, I still would have Kyler Murray, in my opinion, as the better prospect. The more, the more guy that goes, wow, there, there are just not a lot of people on the planet that are this talented in this many areas. If Kyler Murray was two or three inches taller, he'd be he'd be talked about in, in breaths that we haven't mentioned a lot going into the NFL. I also truly believe that the the coach matters. I mean, we hear all the time when we talk about the NFL, people use the phrase, a coach's job is to put players in positions to be successful. Well, this is a perfect example of an organization having the opportunity to put a coach in position to be successful because you've already somewhat made a risky hire, if you want to call it that. You've already kind of walked out on the ledge and said, all right, we're going to hire this guy, Cliff Kingsbury, why not decide to go all in and give him a quarterback that is very uh, skilled to run his offense? Rosen is as well. Some people don't think Rosen's a good fit. I disagree with that. I just look at Kyler Murray and go, this guy's special, special, special talent.
1: So looking at that, then obviously the Redskins need a quarterback. Everybody knows that. How, would, how, does, he, how does Josh Rosen fit with what you see Jay Gruden wanting to do on offense?
2: Yeah, I mean, he certainly fits. I mean, Gruden's so unique because part of me looks at what Gruden does or what Gruden's been a part of, you know, when he had Shanahan or Sean McVay and which was the, you know, obviously the big play action offense and had a ton of success leading it, but Gruden to his core is a little bit more your traditional West Coast offense and I you saw that a little bit last year where, they, you know, Alex Smith in some way struggled struggled to, to really get a, adapted to the offense and what Jay was trying to do and what his strengths were. Um, you know, I don't – I know a lot of people tie Rosen to Washington. I don't know if it's worth – where Washington sits right now as a football team to go make that move okay. as much as I like Josh Rosen I don't know what Alex Smith's money is this year or moving forward but if you go trade for Josh Rosen you're doing it for a reason if you go draft a kid in the first round you're doing it for a reason and that reason bigger than 2019 you're looking at 2020 and so a fit wise Josh Rosen's talented enough and capable enough to fit in a multitude of offenses. A West Coast offense certainly is something of his background. I just don't know if it makes a lot of sense in the totality for their organizations to have to give up you know, that first round pick. I think it's 15 for Washington to go get
1: them. Yeah, and I don't think they would do that, to be honest. I think if you're looking at what they're trading, maybe they're, I think they're second, and I think if they could get away with just giving a third and a future pick, I think that would be ideal. So I think they kind of would probably agree with your thinking that not for the first-round pick, but maybe for a later-round pick.
2: I just don't know if he's going to be there. Like, if I'm a team and I've got a relatively older quarterback – I'm looking at Josh Rosen going, if I can get him for a second round pick, even a late first round pick sure. or early second round pick, whatever, I'm jumping on that. Worst case scenario, he's one of my better, one of the better backup quarterbacks in the NFL for pennies on the dollar. Right. And best case scenario, I have literally stolen my next 10 years. And so I just don't think he's going to be there for a, a late second or third round
1: pick. Okay. What do you think is important for him to have success with the new, his new team, with whatever team it is?
2: Structure. You know, I mentioned it, that this will be his sixth offense and sixth coach in five years. Structure. Everyone knows how important continuity is and, you know, uh, somewhat of a routine for players. Well, it's paramount for quarterbacks. And I really would love to see him go to a place that, He's not, hey, you don't have to go play right now. Although he's capable of doing it, I'd love to see him go to a place where he can just breathe and go to a place that has a mentor where he can learn how to handle teammates. Because don't forget, like, people forget he was thrust into the spotlight at UCLA with expectations. He didn't have anyone ahead of him to teach him how to do things. It was like, hey, you're the true freshman. Go be – the chosen one, the Rosen one. And he's never had someone ahead of him, and this is why those veteran mentors are important. He's never had someone to go, well, this is how you study. This is how you handle an off day. This is how you handle success. This is how you handle throwing three picks in a loss. This is how you handle when your teammate fumbles in the fourth quarter to lose you a game. This is how you treat the the person in our building who, who can't help you, that, that they just work there and they can't help advance your career like he needs somebody ahead of him to learn that from and to, to look to and go, okay, that, that's, that's something that I need to get as part of my personality to allow him to mature. On the field, I, 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 I've said it, like, there's, not, I, there's no offense that I look at and go, ooh, he's, he's not capable of doing that. Like I look at Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State this year. I would never put him in an offense that was predicated upon movement. That was that was a, a bootleg offense. That's not his strength. I would put him in something where he completely controlled the line of scrimmage. Rosen's a good enough athlete. He throws good enough on the run. He makes good decisions. He didn't tell us. He's smart. He could push the ball downfield. He could be efficient in the short passing game. There's not a lot of offenses that I look to and go, he could not operate those.
1: Speaking of Haskins, looking at the quarterbacks in this draft beyond Kyler Murray. Who do you like of that next group?
2: Haskins has been a guy that I've really enjoyed watching over the past three or four months. He has got really good NFL intelligence. Like You talk about a kid that can go to the line of scrimmage and completely know what's going on and understand this is the pressure, how can I pick this up, here's the weakness of the defense, and communicate it all. Very bright. Um, makes appropriate throws and I continue to hammer that point home like I don't like when people say quarterbacks can make all the throws I've I've been around defensive ends that can make all the throws you have to make appropriate (laughs) ones this kid's tape is very impressive doing that Uh, I like him a lot too like a Philip Rivers guy never gonna run away from you and and beat you with with his legs but efficient enough Uh, but he can throw it and he can think it and that's important now I do get a little bit of – I don't want to hold it against him, but he has some talent around him at the skill position. And so I go, all right, well, what are you going to look like if you go to the Jacksonville Jaguars and they don't have anybody? Like, what what are you going to look like when you're in that situation? You know, there's some stretches where he he goes a little quiet. He, he goes a little bit of, like, why are you not controlling the game? That's silly to say because he threw 50 touchdowns, but the tape shows that. And also uh, – One of the things is, like, I don't know how many times he was forced to play super fast. Ohio State's offensive line run game-wise was not what it used to be. But pass protection, they were really good. He he wasn't forced to play super fast at times. I want to know what he would be like that, but I do know this. When he was forced to play at a high level in the fourth quarter, he led college football in fourth-quarter touchdown passes this year. When the money was on the line, he showed up. And I love that part of his game. So him, Drew Locke from Missouri is incredibly intriguing because he's got all these physical skills. He's accurate. He's got a big arm, and he's athletic. I just have no idea what kind of brain he has because Missouri's offense was so, so basic. Uh, they didn't give him a lot of challenges. It was all progression-based. It wasn't coverage-based. So I'd have to spend time to figure out, can he think? But there's
1: a lot of his game that you like. I got just a couple more, and I appreciate this. Um, Daniel Jones another guy that I think teams are going to look at, obviously, in that mid-first round area. Seems like a pretty tough competitor. You know, see him standing in there. You also see him getting beat up at Duke quite a bit. You know, seems to have pretty good mechanics. What's your take on him? And would a guy like that be a good fit for the Redskins at 15? Or is that so too So I hard?
2: actually did. No, I I call college football games for ESPN. Right. One, I did a Duke game, and uh, when you if you just like took Daniel Jones and never met him, and just cut on tape, you'd go like, oh, this this kid can play. Uh, the ball is going to go where it's supposed to go, when it's supposed to go there. Um, he's he's incredibly, he's Alex Smith uh, in many ways. That's I I tied Daniel Jones to the Redskins two months ago, maybe. Uh, incredibly accurate. Um, under fifteen yards, under twelve yards, a better athlete than kind of people want to note, note note him as. I I will say this, and again this is probably a flaw of not being able to spend extensive time around a kid, is I don't know how much I trust him being a dude. Like right. running a football team. Like having the 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 personality to you know kind of it'll, for lack of a better term, be a dude. Like, he's got the unassuming, very kind, almost sweetheart personality uh, that reminds me of Joey Harrington. I'm not saying they're the same guys. I'm not saying that they're going to have the same careers. But that would be the thing that I would have to really spend time with Daniel Jones and going, do I believe that when we're down 21-0 that this guy – can get on somebody that's not doing something the right way that can lead us to a comeback? Or do I believe that this guy can provide our team with the right type of mindset that can carry us? Because if you're taking them relatively early, you're taking them because you you need some kind of impact on your organization. I don't know Daniel Jones enough to know that he can give that to me, where I I believe – I I love that about Darnold Bester. I love that about Baker. I love that about Kyler Murray. I I think I see that in in Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke. I don't know that about Daniel Jones.
1: Okay, and last thing from me here, Dan, and again, I appreciate this. Um, beyond Beyond that top group, yeah, you guys like Finley, Stidham, Clayton Thorson, Will Greer, is there a guy that you like? If it's say like after the first round, especially a team like the Redskins, if they don't get a guy at fifteen, maybe they go edge. And if they don't trade for Rosen, they're still going to look for somebody. Who's a guy after that first round that you say I really like? This guy.
2: Yeah, two guys. It would be Jared Stidham and Clayton Thorson. Stidham because you know talented, yes, you could throw it, but there's a there's an aspect of standing in there and looking at somebody as they're about to. Split your sternum in half and not blinking. And Stidham has that quality where he does not blink in the pocket. He will stand in there and throw the ball. It's just such a difficult evaluation of him because Auburn's offense is painful for a quarterback to play in when it (laughs) comes to like concepts or getting through a progression. Like there's no rhythm to it. And also, they weren't very talented on the outside, so no one gets open. So you don't necessarily get to see him go, okay, you know, that was a great throw or. Like, he's running for his life often, there's trick plays. My concern with Sidham is everything seems to be one pitch. Everything's a fastball. I I, I didn't see enough of, like, him changing the – making those appropriate throws. And then Clayton Thorson, you can make the argument, makes as many NFL-quality throws as any kid in this draft. I mean, because Northwestern, not uber-talented on the outside, playing in a conference dominated by defense. He had to make consistent throws against sticky coverage and did it. Uh, and, you know, to, to kind of take Northwestern where he was able to take them, he would be a guy that I would be very intrigued with. If you put some talent around him, how good he, can he get?
1: Awesome. Folks, if you're not following Dan on Twitter and you're not watching him on ESPN, you're doing it wrong. You will learn if you do. Trust me. Dan, thank you for joining me.
2: I appreciate you, bud.
1: Thanks, man. Well, my biggest takeaway from my conversation with Dan, and I knew this was coming because I follow him on Twitter, but just the depths of how much he likes Josh Rosen as a player. And I know this is going back to last year when he was scout- or doing some stuff on Twitter um, before the draft about him, and it's continued to this point. So I'm not surprised by that, but I think it was also his belief that he could thrive in, in, in multiple systems. And I think that's why he likes him so much. A little bit surprised that he didn't think the Redskins would be would be um, a team that should go after him. But I also think that he was thinking they would have to give up the that 15th pick. And I would agree with him. I don't think they would do that in that case. But if they don't have to give up the 15th pick, I think that it makes sense. And I think, you know, then it becomes like, how much do you but I, I don't think they would give up that 15th pick as of right now. Now, let's get to know Rosen more on a personal level, how is he like in the locker room? And that's why I wanted to bring Josh Weinfuss, my ESPN counterpart in Arizona. He's coming up right after this. All right. So now I'm bringing in Josh Weinfuss, my guy for ESPN. Out. In Arizona always gives me great restaurant recommendations kind of Um, but he's my guy so I want to bring him on to talk about Josh Rosen because he covered him last year and you know Josh we hear so much about it first of all thanks for joining me secondly we hear so much about his personality what was your experience like with him
0: uh, John, thanks for having me. I really It's an honor. It's just an absolute honor to be on this podcast. I know um, it is. Before we get started, <laughs> we just need to, I need to get it out there. It was your idea to go to Twin Peaks. Now, with that <laughs> being said, Josh Rosen, he's an interesting person. He's a unique character. He, he's brilliant. I mean, he is a very smart human being. He was an economics major at UCLA. Um, he can kind of read through the dumb question, and I think he saw a lot of that over the last year. He was very outgoing until he got drafted, and then you know he had his great comments uh, draft night last year when he said you know he was he, the nine picks ahead of him were going to regret it or whatever it was, and then he kind of you know scaled back a little bit the the, the next night or the next day when he had his regular press conference and said oh only the three picks the three quarterbacks are, are you know are going to be the regrets whatever it was so he and ever since then he kind of was very quiet he kind of understood his place in the nfl it, then that at the, when he started his career that was as a backup quarterback behind sam bradford so he wasn't the outgoing opinionated person we all knew at least in public and then once he got the starting job in week four he was a little more open but still pretty reserved i think he still understood that hey i'm a rookie i don't need to go in here and splash my name across some headlines um but for the most part you know he was good to, to work with good to deal with Um, but at the same time, if you asked him a question that was maybe a little controversial or something he didn't want to answer, he would just flat out be like, yeah, I don't know. Kind of frustrating from our standpoint, but at the same time, I understood where he was coming from because he didn't want to get himself into trouble, but, um, I think he's just going to grow into the role, grow into the position.
1: What was his reputation in the locker room with his teammates?
0: So it was, it was split. There were guys who absolutely loved him. And there were guys who did not like him. Some people thought he was too interested in outside um, hobbies, outside interests. Um, and then there were guys who said he came in. He, you know, and he he was the first guy in, last guy to leave. And he was, you know, a guy they swore by, a guy that they that they loved as a leader, a guy they loved as a quarterback. One thing I thought was interesting that was that after Sam Bradford was benched and he became the starter, Rosen started to host meetings every Friday with the offensive line mm. and the running backs. And a lot of the older guys, They at first I think they were a little little surprised a little take him back, but the more those meetings went on over the course, course of the season, guys really developed a respect for him because he understood what he was talking about. He knew what he was talking about. And when he didn't, he would ask questions about it. Guys constantly told me that they were surprised at how mature he was in that standpoint. So, you know, one thing that we heard from David Johnson this week, the running back, uh, for the Cardinals, that you know, Rosen would break down the offense so he understood it, hmm. and then he would basically relay that to his teammates. I guess in what we would consider layman's terms, stuff that they could understand as well. So there's definitely that that maturity there, um, and that intelligence. He's a high football IQ, um, but um, there are definitely some people that that did not care for them. But I think that's normal. I don't think everyone's going to be liked by everybody in the locker room.
1: And I would agree with that because I dealt with that with number of, with several players over the years, some more notable than others. Um, is when things would go bad for him because obviously that was a tough year for him and the Cardinals. How did he handle that post game and just with with everything else?
2: You can definitely
0: tell there. Sometimes post game, he was very frustrated. Um, whether it was with himself, whether it was with teammates, the coaching, the play calling. Uh, there you know he there was frustration boiling up but he never let it kind of you know flow over the pot if you will um he but he he would answer the questions we, you know we would ask him what happened on this play and he would answer it straight up and if the question was wrong he would make the reporter know which i still have a little bit of an issue with but at the same time if the question's wrong the question's wrong so um he handled it well you know he he understood what what situation he was in last year and that was one that was i mean this this team was an utter disaster all year you had two offensive coordinators you know mike mccoy was hired was fired week 7 second year in a row he failed to make it to thanksgiving um as an offensive coordinator then they brought in or then they replaced him with byron Lefwich, who was a first year coordinator so um it was um it was it was a rough year but i thought he handled it well um you can tell that he he knew what was wrong with his team, and he wasn't going to throw you under the bus. But at the same time, he made it known through body language, through facial expressions, through even some of his answers that he was he, he he was definitely frustrated.
1: Do you think he wants to be there?
0: Um, I, I don't have a good enough answer for that question simply because we haven't been around him long enough to kind of get understand where you know josh on a deeper level from what i understand from talking to people around him he would love to be here you know he understands that, that that this team has the ability to be very good next year on defense and i think there are pieces on offense that could stand out um i think what's intriguing to a lot of people is what he can learn under cliff kingsbury but um at the same time i get the sense that if he were to be moved it wouldn't be the end of the world for him. You know, he would handle it. He, you know, he is he, he is a professional, and I know that's a kind of a cliche thing, but I think what we saw last year was he handled things at a very high, highly professional level. This team was awful. It was bad week in and week out. He, you know, he made a lot of mistakes. He threw a lot of bad passes, a lot of interceptions but he handled it with a poise that I don't think we would have seen from most 21-year-olds. So I think from that standpoint, I think we will see him if he does get traded. Uh, regardless of who, to who it is, he'll handle it professionally. All
1: right, Josh, I got one last question. This is the big one. And, you know, we do our mock draft on NFL Live in, in a couple of weeks, all the pressure on you to get that ball rolling with this first pick. Do you think they will trade Josh Rosen?
0: I do think they will trade him. I think I don't think it's going to be healthy for this team to keep Kyler Murray, if they draft him, when they draft him, and Josh Rosen on the roster at the same time. I do know Cliff Kingsbury ran some two-quarterback offense last year, Texas Tech, a little bit. I don't think that works in the NFL, and I think for the sake of the locker room, I don't think you can keep both of them simply because if you get through training camp with two quarterbacks, and Josh Rosen's playing well because he's he will make that jump. He will make that second-year jump like most rookie quarterbacks do. So if he's playing well in training camp, and you have guys that start to believe in him, but yet the, the the starting quarterback is penciled in as Kyler Murray, and you have half the locker room believing in Kyler Murray and half the locker room believing in Josh Rosen, and you trade Rosen, I don't know if that other half the locker room is going to come around to Kyler Murray. So it's not going to be good for the team to keep two quarterbacks on the roster. So if they draft Kyler Murray... I think it's all but a done deal that they trade Josh
1: Rosen. Do you think? All, do you think they would trade him before the draft or try and trade him during?
0: So everything I've been told is that the trade will happen on draft day. Okay. Um, so I tend to believe that simply because I think they're trying to maximize the value. Now, let's say Washington comes in with an offer that includes everything in the kitchen sink, the Cardinals won't say no to it. Like they it's, they are willing to listen. Steve Time has shown. Throughout his career, despite, despite a lot of bad moves, couple, you know, a lot of good moves, that he will always be open to listening to trades. So if someone comes in with the, the right offer before the draft, I wouldn't be surprised that they make that move. But at the same time, I think that they're going to wait until draft day because let's say there's an early run of quarterbacks and someone needs one badly, you might get more than you bargained for Um, on, on, the, you know, on that Thursday of the first round.
1: Awesome, Josh. I appreciate you joining me. I'm going to see if I can get to you some Marriott points for – for coming on the show.
0: I would appreciate that.
1: All right, man. Thanks Josh. I appreciate you coming on. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast today. And to give you a heads up on next week, special guest, Matt Bowen, ESPN draft analyst, former Redskin safety does a fantastic job. I wanted him to provide you some insight into some non-quarterback options with that 15th overall pick, and also wanted to ask him his thoughts on Landon Collins. I think you'll like some of his answers.